Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris, and we've got plenty of French action to talk about this week. So I will need a casting crew to support me in doing so, of course. Good afternoon, Jess. Good afternoon, Phil. Good afternoon. Hi. It's, uh, it's a nice, beautiful, sunny day in the UK today, uh, so uh, we're, we're going to try and keep the, the chat nice and sunny and airy-fairy, but we're also going to have a good old-fashioned debate, so uh, plenty to look forward to in today's show. Obviously, we're going to be centering a fair amount of it around the French national team, because, of course, they have played three games in the past week. Yes, you heard it right, three games in a week. And one friendly, two Nations League games. Uh, naturally, the friendly will probably take less uh, of our time up, but we will start there because it was a fairly comprehensive victory in terms Hold of it. goals. Yeah. Um, what did you make of it, Phil? It was a 7-1 victory over Ukraine. Um, it has to be said, though, asterisk. Ukraine had about four players um, from the usual well, squad due to COVID and, and so on and so forth. But I, I was wondering about that because I don't haven't been following Ukraine's international team um, as much as I should do, possibly, Outrageous. but it did appear fairly quickly that they might not be fully at the races. Um, so, yeah, this was uh, a good opportunity for um, Giroud uh, getting his 100th cap. So, wearing a captain's armband, he got a brace, which was very nice. Kamafinga got a, got a goal, so he's enjoying his time. Tolisso also. Um, so, it was nice to see a few different people um, in their different combinations um, but I think we all knew watching watching that that the Portugal match was going to be very different and so it was so uh, yeah 7-1 I it's kind of it was fun wasn't it yeah. few people got some some numbers on the score sheet got some more caps got some more experience but there wasn't an awful lot to draw from it I think it's fair to say yeah, one thing, um, Jez, that we will draw from it, of course, is is that uh, Olivier Giroud uh, milestone, if you will. Now the second top goal scorer in international history for the, the national team. We've kind of waxed lyrical about him before, but when you really sort of sit there and break it down and you look at the names on that list, he goes past Michel Platini now and only behind Thierry Henry in the all-time standings. That is quite an achievement, isn't it, for a player who... I think it's fair to say, unless you are French um, or have good taste in, in strikers, he, he's, he's kind of always been one of those players that people have either overlooked or just not really given enough credit um, in terms of, of his career. Would that be fair? And, and obviously, if there's anything you want to add to the game, then, then feel free as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, he deserves a huge amount of credit. I mean, particularly when you think that he didn't make his debut till he was 25 um, he scored the great majority of those goals. Well, I don't know about a majority, but a lot of those goals over the age of, of 30. And as we said before, it's not about, it's not even just about the goal scoring. It's about everything else he brings, you know, from defensive set pieces to being the sort of first line of defence, working his arse off, which not all strikers for France do. We'll get onto that later. Um, staying in the position that he's meant to be in, which not all strikers do. We'll get onto that later. Um, and yeah, just I think general attitude, you know, even that, back to that sort of 
big sort of generation defining Ukraine match that, that they won 3 0, and sort of everything that's happened since kind of is off the back of that. Um, he was sort of the, the big cheerleader after the match. Um, so I think he's just been, I think he's played more, I think Deschamps played him more than any other player, and he is very much part of Deschamps sort of ethos that it's not necessarily about the most beautiful football but it's about hard work and spirit and um but at the same time it's unfair to to sort of reduce him just to that and I think Chris will know more than me you know he's had so much stick from Arsenal fans over the years as well and ridiculously people solely blame him for Arsenal not winning the league in 2016 but you know some of the Stunning goals that Arsenal have scored, um, important goals, cup final goals as well, have also been down to his brilliant one-touch football and hold-up play and flicks and stuff. So um, I actually think he he is underrated as a footballer. And yeah, what he's done for France and you know, a lot of people or the, his critics go on about how he didn't score during the World Cup. He was so crucial still to that World Cup win, as well as the fact that First match, he set up the winner. Second match, Mbappe basically poached a goal off him. Um, even the, you know, the semi-final uh, match against Argentina, he set up the winner. Semi-final was arguably his poorest match in that he missed a few chances, but him, you know, he his he still I think won the corner that led to the winner. He's still such an important player and still does things that no one else does. And for a lot of people, he'll always be judged against Benzema, rightly or wrongly. Um, but again, like we've said so many times before, Giroud would probably admit Benzema is a better footballer. But it's not about that. Um, to be, you know, at the very top of the game, it's about so much more than that. And he's taken every opportunity he's been given, from sort of working his way up from being rejected at Grenoble, to East, to Tours, to um, Montpellier, to Arsenal. And you know, he's had to contend with a hell of a lot of setbacks. Even, you know, last year, the way that Lampard, I think, pretty much treated him like shit. And then he came, came back brilliantly in 2020. And now he's been dropped unceremoniously yet again, despite his great form at the end of last year, which I also think is a little bit harsh. Um, We'll see if he manages to come back from that as well. But every sort of challenge that he's faced, which is probably more than a lot of footballers, he's sort of faced up to brilliantly. And so I, I just think he deserves every bit of success that he gets. And he himself has said, you know, he's, yes, he's overtaken Platini in terms of that statistic. Obviously, he's nothing like Platini as a player and will never sort of aspire to be to overtake him as a footballer. But it's not about that. And it's silly to kind of say, you know, he doesn't deserve to be ahead of him in the goal scoring charts because he's not the same player. It's it's not about that. And he's, yeah, good on him for everything he achieves. Yeah, it's, it's about kind of appreciation for, for what's done. Is I think the, the striker or centre-forward role is often sort of judged on, well, how many goals do you get? And whilst I kind of understand that, there's a lot more to it than, than that. And, and as you say, it's bringing other players into into play, the assists, the, the second assists, if you want to go down the, the statistical route as well. That's what, what brings about the, 
the, the praise that he should be getting that he doesn't. And yeah, from an Arsenal perspective, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you summed it up there. A lot of people who, without being too blunt, I'll just be blunt, not very football educated. Don't give him enough credit, in my opinion, but hey-ho. Um, let's move on to, to Portugal then. Um, I'll stick with you first first of all, just because this was, um, fair to say, a very different game to Ukraine. Very tactical, two sides that had clearly very good players matching up against each other. Uh, we saw sort of Mbappe versus Ronaldo is how it was built up, but it was the defences that were on top. Um, President Kimbembe stood out to me as a player who had a, a pretty decent game. Some would say long overdue. And and overall, it, it was, it, from, a t- from a tactical perspective, if you like that kind of game, it was excellent. Wasn't a lot of chances, would be fair to say. But is, is it... Is it the sort of game that actually you look at in a wider perspective and say that that's kind of a it's kind of good that France can do that rather than just sort of steamrolling teams and you know they're able to grind out against a side or do you look at it and say well they couldn't break down a side that weren't particularly interested in attacking? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I, most people have been saying it was a soporific, boring game. I actually don't think it was that bad. Um, I, I think. Both teams sort of huffed and puffed and two very talented attacking teams had a bit of an off day and two talented defences were well on top of their game and and it happens. I think, yes, France are world champions so they should sort of be expected to, to go out and try to win every match, especially at home, but it's not always as simple as that and they were playing against a good team. Um, they didn't give away many chances against them. Um, the, you know, it's an 11-team game. It's just as important that the goalkeeper and the defence have good games as well. Um, and again, it's how to sort of, what value to place on the Nations League as a competition in general. Um, but I, th- I think Deschamps is using all these matches to experiment, and this was another experiment. He he went to the the you know the four four two diamond, and he'll he'll have seen things that did work and didn't work. Uh, for me, one of the most glaring things was that Kante didn't work, which mm. in the context of Nzonzi's game yesterday is 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 a sort of eyebrow razor. But um, yeah, he'd have, he'd have seen that. Um, the the three that played in midfield, or four if you count Griezmann. I mean, Griezmann got a lot of, not wasn't him that got the stick, but a lot of people. The main takeaway that a lot of people took from that Portugal match was that Griezmann isn't a number ten. Personally, I'm I'm not sure it's as simple as that. And I think during the World Cup, he showed that he can drop very deep and still control and control matches. So I think it's still actually a little bit harsh on him to say that he's just a nine and a half. But I think the problem there was that um was more that Mbappe was and we'll get back to that as well, but I think he was dropping a little bit too deep. And then the midfield three were all very flat because they didn't seem to know who was meant to be holding, who was meant to be pushing forward. And so I think Griezmann didn't have any choice but to drop too far back so as not to step on Mbappe's toes and to not and to make sure there wasn't too much of a gap between three pretty passive flat midfielders for a lot of the match and and the attack 
Um, and when Griezmann's not at the top of his game every, anyway, that's quite a lot of responsibility for him to take on. So I still think that there's positives in that the defence did very well and um, there's things for, for Deschamps to take forward. And I just, yeah, it annoys me a little bit that, that people are sort of so quick to, you know, if it's not a win, if it's not a win with 30 chances created or whatever, let's, let's as quickly as possible use it as a, as a stick to beat Deschamps with. Um, it's international football. And, you know, you, you talked about Ukraine um, and the, the, the team that France beat. I actually compared the teams and the, the Ukraine team that beat Spain was more or less the same. There are only two or three players difference. Um, Germany have only ever won one Nations League match. They just drew three all at home with Switzerland. So, you know, international football isn't that simple, even if you are the world champions. And I, I think sometimes it's just ridiculous the, the stick that that Deschamps and the team get. Um, you know, practically Pogba, it was his first match back. Kante isn't full fitness. Griezmann, we know the issues he's got. Um, and yet, they still played played decently and just happened to come up against a very good defence, who, by the way, could arguably have been reduced to, to 10 men from the second minute. Yeah, yeah, so that's something that I felt got very quickly brushed under the carpet. Yeah, you agreed with me then on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did think that was a bit of a slightly strange decision. Um, Phil, what did you make of this? Uh, uh, on a wider point, Jez brought up something there that I kind of wanted to ask you, and uh, just not necessarily your opinion directly, but in terms of France as a country. D- does the Nations League mean anything? Because uh, I'm... Uh, I think it's, I'm going to get stick here, but if I put on my England hat, I'm going to say it's a tournament that countries like England want to win. But you know, if France outgrown it, given the fact that they are world champions and they're going to be pushing not necessarily, England. because I think obviously, given the changes in scheduling at the moment, this is now the run up to the Euros. So that's uh, I think something that makes it more useful. We discussed this. Um, a while ago these are meaningful friendlies in a sense and so I think what what I thought was when you saw the after that you know fun uh, game against Ukraine you saw the team for the Portugal match and you could have guessed kind of that that more kind of defensive approach was, was what Deschamps was going to do because Portugal top of the table, this is the key game, you're at home and it was a little frustrating that um, it wasn't a bit more attacking but as Jess said it was uh, defence was the order of the day and I thought Kimpembe also Hernandez were very good yeah. um, they were the ones frustrating Ronaldo really I think Hernandez on, with 10 minutes to go really just owned him at one point which was um, I was like to see, I mean I did halfway through when things were you know, not as interesting. It's a tactical battle, masterclass, chess match, whatever thing. Hmm, I wonder what would be happening here if Laban Kazama was at left back. And that just cheered me up a little bit. Um, please, don't, please don't make me think about that. Um, but no, I think it was, you know, there were some good movements. But I think the Rabio and Pogba axis of that midfield diamond worked a lot better than the Kante Griezmann bit, which mm. is both because they're good players, but also the diamond itself 
didn't particularly seem to suit uh, several of it, several of the points in it, if you see what I mean. So I think we saw that I thought Hernandez was as ever useful going forward as well as doing that defensive shift. And, you know, we've just been uh, loving on uh, Giroud there, so I'm going to get in a little bit there. He got wiped out in the first two minutes and ended up with his head bandaged, which at least made, at least made him easier to spot from a distance. But, you know, and he then went on to do his normal game. You know, that's part of who he is. But on about half an hour, he tried a move that I think all Montpellier fans know as the Boupon Histoire, uh, which was kind of heading to the goal line and doing a cutback, which obviously was Karim Aitfana's uh, winner against me in match 37 of uh, the 2012 season. Um, he was keen to cut it back to, to Mbappe this time and uh, who sent it well wide. I mean, it went out for a throw-in. I think it was a complete miskick. But he was still doing that thing that Jez was talking about. He does more than just be the big man up front. And I think that really helps because if you think he's just the big man up front, you think you just mark him in the box. And if he moves away from the box, it's not a problem. Well, he can be. And we've seen that many, many times. So I think it was yeah, a game that was more interesting than entertaining would be uh, how I'd put it. And I on the kind of fullback, thing, because I was having a discussion with this with um, my good friends Mohamed Butt and Kevin Williams. Um, Mohamed Butt said something very interesting about the fullbacks in that game, because Pavard was playing at right back. Hernandez is a left back who can play centre back, while Pavard is a centre back who can play right back. And I think you could, you did get that sense. And then we saw in the Croatia match uh, yesterday, they put Ferland Mendy at right back. It's like, this is the one place, the one position where we do seem to still be having uh, quite a lot of problems. So it's just lucky that uh, Ronaldo's on the other side, uh, potentially. So, yeah, it was a good defensive performance. I thought it was a very interesting game, but as I say, not entertaining. So I understand why some people are bitching about it being a nil-nil draw. There were nine shots aside. Yeah. 3-2 on target. It wasn't... You know, it wasn't a huge attacking show. But you could say after that game, well, they've scored seven goals in the last two matches. So that's you you know, a, a good average. And yeah. this is why averages are about I've seen far worse nil-nils, in fairness. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it's, it's just one of those things that, in fact, I think you find it more, don't you? It's like the Champions League final. Everyone's like, oh, goals, goals, goals. Two, two top-class oh. teams meet up. And it's often um, not the case. Uh, I think... You know, at the end, it did get a little nervy because obviously the, the Pepe goal was chalked off but the, the flag was up. But in injury, in added time, there were two big saves from Hugo Lloris who yeah. uh, had a good game and had a good game yesterday as well with some, uh, some good saves there. So it's good to see that that defensive unit, at least the middle bit of it, um, is, is, is functioning well because, you know, going to be it's all part of the game and yeah. um, you know they're level with Portugal on points now behind on goal difference so you know um, clean sheets are going to be as useful there as sticking the ball in the net yeah yeah absolutely and and uh that leads us on to last night, Jez, um, that we both covered. And there's a few things to, to come out of this. The first thing I just want to touch on is in terms of the um, Nations League, I mean, I, I honestly get lost on 
where people are and, and who's playing who and where's what and what group is it all really confuses me but all I know is that France beat Croatia 2-1 which was important for them we also saw the uh, Portuguese won their game I think it was 3-0 in the end 3-0 um, yeah Sweden appeared to be not having a happy moment in transition, I think it's fair to say, as a, a fairly cover, fairly deep, um, not quite as deep as France, but I do follow Sweden quite closely as well. Um, yeah, what, what did you make of last night, then, Jez? I mean, in, in terms of the Nations League, obviously, job done. And the thing I kind of liked about the performance last night was that it was a weird game because France really impressed for periods and then they sort of really didn't for periods. It was a really, really strange game. There's quite a long spell where, where they could easily have conceded more than the one they did. But ultimately, they got the result. And is that kind of the classic mark of champions for you in terms of the performance? Um, yeah, I think that is to a point. Another thing that people use to, to beat Deschamps, and it's similar to um, what, kind of what happens to Genesio at Lyon, is that um, if, if, if they score a good goal, people say, oh, well, you know, the team's not gelling at all. It's just down to individual brilliance. Um, but then, again, it's just not, not giving the team any credit. You know, in the same way that defences also are part of the match and help to win matches, so do bits of individual brilliance, especially for an international team. That's why they're there, because they're brilliant individuals. Um, but I thought yesterday we, we sort of, saw a little bit of both. I think the first, most of the first half, certainly the first half hour, I thought France were really good and played really well as a team. And frankly, if it wasn't for um, Mbappe and Griezmann stuffing up a, a counter-attack together, Mbappe missing a sitter and the referee missing a clear penalty, France could easily have been sort of three or four up. Um, and I was really impressed with how they played as a team, especially because a lot of those players, are, are, a lot of it was second team players. And, you know, in, in the midfield, and Zonzi and Rabiot especially, Tadiso also to an extent, you know, really showed that there's no reason why they, they shouldn't be kind of contenders for, for first team starters, depending on on formations, obviously. Um, Longley as well reminded Deschamps, I, I agree with you that I think Kimpembe was, was superb against Portugal and had Ronaldo in his pocket the whole match and um, it looked like he sort of made the, the left-sided centre-back position his own but Longley reminded us yesterday he's still, he's still a real contender for that as well and overall it was very good but then as, as France faded um, and Croatia got on top, to be fair like the, the, the two substitutions they made at the start of the second half um, did make their team stronger. I mean, they're two players who probably should have been starting, really. Um, so it's not surprising that made it a little bit more even. But again, although they were on top, France were relatively unruffled defensively. Um, as Phil said, again, you know, Loris just... I know Spurs fans will disagree, but certainly for France, apart from that Sweden mistake and the World Cup final mistake that didn't really matter... He's just quietly so reliable. And, and, uh, safe with feet that he did. Yeah, classic. Yeah. But even like the, the last couple of minutes, you know, they, they were those two good saves. Probably both of them were scuffed shots, but he still made the saves. Then two crosses very late on. 
that he just, he, you know, not comfortably, yeah, but authoritatively. I think that's yeah. the thing. You know, we saw that in the injury time against Portugal. We saw it to a certain extent against Croatia. He's not, he will keep playing as he plays all the way through. And, you know, Very that's something sure. that is, uh, you know, reliable. I think after Croatia equalised, you could see he was having a word with a couple of people, which, you know, he's mm. never going to be uh, a real shouter and yeller and, and hand waver, but he can he can do that um, when he needs to. I highly well, doubt... On that, it was interesting that the French commentary, there were two things about that. First of all, that um, apparently Deschamps really pulled out um, Kamavinga on the equaliser because um, yeah. he was in completely the wrong place. But I think there was just a, a breakdown in communication there. And also the French commentary was saying how um, from when Croatia went on top, a lot of the France players sort of went quiet and, and weren't talking to each other so much anymore. But sort of going back to your original question, that that's the thing. They, the first half, they, they played very well as a team. Second half, not so much attacking-wise, but the defence was still a very solid unit. And then, um, I was going to say one moment of brilliance. I suppose it's one moment, but two bits of brilliance. That Pogba pass, oh. and the Dini crossed volley absolutely superb and and even though it was slightly against the run of play yeah France managed to to eke out the winner so again in a way it's kind of balanced in that you've got you've got both aspects the the good team play and even if the team is a little bit on the rack there's enough individuals there who can make the difference yeah I think what we saw was obviously when Kamavinga came on and um, Coleman came on for Marshall, which led uh, Marshall, which led to the interesting sign of uh, Deschamps basically fighting with his mask while he attempted to give the critical uh, tactical instruction run around a bit to Lindsay Coleman. And it was immediately after that substitution that Croatia equalised. But then the next sub was Popper on for Rabio, and then within five minutes, there was one of those wonderful. Of uh, moments, I think James got quite a lot of you know, many sight, better sights in football. Um, mm. It was lovely, but it was also good to see Dean in there because you know I've been banging on about Hernandez, but um, Dean kind of a little bit forgotten in maybe in France, um, in that some people aren't quite sure where he is at the moment, but <laughs> he is still very good, and it was slightly concerning to see. Um, uh, a couple of minutes later that, you know, whether something else had fallen off him um, because yeah. he was he was taken off injured. So I hope that's nothing serious because... Leg in a brace good. as well. It is like with the Kimpembe Longley situation. You know, you can't... It's great to have a first pick, but you need to have a second pick and a third pick. And the fact is when, you know, the other one is currently playing right back because we don't have picks there. It's just a kind of weird default position, it seems like. Then that was um, that was uh, slightly worrying. So I hope he's okay, as do all fans of the club for whom he currently plays. Is it Everton? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I thought... I and thought it's the Mersey Derby this weekend. Yeah. Wearing blue. So anyway, he had a good... He had a good match, clocked up an assist. So, yeah, I think, 
again, it was when we looked at this game after the France-Portugal uh, game was uh, kind of a defensive setup, at least in the midfield. I think we thought we'd see a bit more of an expansive approach. Uh, I did again, Mohamed, but uh, uh, tweeted me saying, has, has Didi been kidnapped? Please say you're right when he saw that it was Martial and Mbappe up front. Um, but it's good to see Tillisso again, good to see Rabiain and Zonzi, as Jess said, put in a great performance against Ukraine. So, again, deserves to have that chance. So, I do like the fact that there was rotation here um, and that it is being used for a good purpose. But it's Deschamps is going to take this on a case by case basis, as it were. So, you play Portugal, you're going to maybe sit back a bit more. You play Sweden, obviously, you're just going to go for it because it looks like they're poor form at the moment. So um, I think it was over the three games, obviously, the first one was just fun and it made people feel good. But to get four points off the two Nations League games is good. They're still the level with Portugal. And so that's making it a head-to-head and I think that makes it even more interesting, if you see what I mean. Um, that these might be just friendlies. How much does it matter? But this is France and Portugal. Remember the the Euro final, you know that kind of thing. They are Portugal are kind of seen a bit now as being, you know, the traditional enemy. So I think that adds a bit of a, a bit of bite to it and a bit more interest. Yeah, it's kind of important to stay sharp in these quote-unquote friendly games as well, or, or the Nations League. I mean, as much as I still think it's madness that internationals are being played at this wonderful time we're living in, but um, I think it would be fair to say that not many people um, would would put very big money on the Euros even happening. I mean, I still think we've got a long way to go before that's... I know they're obviously in place to, to take place next year, but... If we were sat here in a year's time and they said, you know what, actually it's not going to happen, given the fact it's across how many continents or uh, countries rather, um, yeah, it's important they stay sharp because you just never know what's around the corner. And if an, if a major international tournament like that was called off, for example, you, you know, you kind of need to know what your next batch of players are, if indeed that means the end of some of the older players who would be due to play in that tournament, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely keen to or key to, to staying in shape. And like you both said, um, and Zonzi and, and Rabio surprised me quite a lot last night in, in terms of Rabio, it seems to be a bit reborn. Um, and Zonzi the same since he's come back to France. So yeah, good performances from them. And the only point I was going to make about Loris, uh, something that really surprised me um, about watching the, the Tottenham documentary for my sins, um, whilst there was many funny points of it, of course, he, he really does. He really does stand out as a dressing room leader, which I'm not saying I never thought he wasn't, because obviously he was influential in the World Cup and captain of the team, etc. But he is a lot more sort of vocal and and larger character than even I expected, having seen that documentary. No, so. I think he's. We we've seen this from Hugo quite a lot. He does not do interviews very often. When he does, no. it's very measured. He's not on social media. I think we learn. It, about his day from his missus mm. um, but he I think he's he's respected as a very steady um, and maybe more I, I get the impression he's a very intelligent bloke mm. and that's not just about um, general smarts but 
understanding people and understanding managing to remain calm in tricky situations which he's had quite a few of mm. um so when he does occasionally go off on one it, it's quite you know hilarious because it's so rare that he doesn't you know shout and scream and wave his arms about kind of off pitch as it were yeah i think so, he'll be a good yeah. coach one day as well i think the fact that he's been captain at a couple of his clubs as well i think it shows that he is seen as not the dad figure, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He 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 can he can organise and keep people calm and and uh, yeah, just occasionally yell at them when they do something wrong, as yeah. we saw after the equaliser. Yeah, quite like goalkeepers as captains as well. They can see the whole pitch, etc. Um, okay, so the, the one thing that, that did come out of, of that game, um, particularly from, from Jez's timeline, and, and a few others I've noticed as well, sort of looking around the, the wonderful world of Twitter today, is, is the box marked Mbappe. Um, I'll just let you sort of say your piece really here, Jez, because you're, you're, not, you're not happy with him at the moment, are you, in, in terms of his sort of general output, and, and you feel that it, it's starting to become a bit too much about him, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I I think a little bit. Not not that he wants it all to be about him. I just I think he's a superb player. He's a very intelligent player. He's a very quick player. He's a good finisher. Um, he's got technique. But you know, everyone's saying Griezmann's not a number ten. Mbappe's not a number ten. I don't think Mbappe's a striker, a goal scorer, and he can use all those techniques all his skills and his speeds and his finishing in order to be a great striker. You know, the best in the world, possibly in time one of the best ever. But he's not a playmaker. And even if he thinks he is, at the moment, Deschamps doesn't. He's putting in, in there as a striker. He's, yes, most of the change, the experimental formations are to get the best out of Griezmann. But they're also, I think, quite a lot mindful of Mbappe because, frankly, I still think France have got a nicer balance playing some kind of variation on the formation they played in the World Cup with Mbappe um, on a wing. I actually think that I think he's at his best starting on a wing and coming cutting in than down the middle anyway. But clearly, he doesn't think that. He thinks he's a central striker. Deschamps is happy to sort of um, not humour him, but allow him to be that so, second yeah. striker. I don't mean second as in deeper, I mean one of two strikers. Mm. So play that fucking position. Don't keep, you're not Neymar. I know that you seem to want to be Neymar personality-wise, which isn't good. Um, I don't particularly like him turning up for the stadium with his KM branded cap either, but whatever. I wondered if um, you mentioned that. <laughs> sorry? I wondered if you'd mentioned that. It's one of the <laughs> things that I noticed and I thought, oh, guys ain't going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, one of the reasons that Griezmann was a little bit stuck in Portugal was because he was having to drop even deeper than a number 10 would because Mbappe stepping on his toes. Yesterday as well, Mbappe was dropping deep, trying to win the ball deep. It's not his job. If he wins it, who's he going to give it to? Um, as well as, you know, okay, people do miss sitters or whatever. But And obviously, yes, he saved his game with the goal. But I really thought it was a poor performance yesterday. But in a way, the Portugal one 
annoyed me more because you can have a bad game, but it's just the complete lack of discipline. I don't mean discipline as in um, <clears throat> fouling or whatever. I mean um, not not doing your job. And like I said to you yesterday, like this, it's fine. I don't mind a bit of showboating at all. I don't mind a bit of sort of self-expression, but within the context of, of the match and, and your job as part of an 11-man team. And so when your dicking around affects the other 10 players and what they're supposed to be doing, then I, I think it does cause problems. And I just, I'm, you know, obviously I'm not saying drop him or he's a disgrace or anything like that. I'm saying it, I just think it's something that he needs to be aware of. I'm surprised considering that it's the kind of thing that Deschamps done before. And I guess, you know, everything was vindicated because he scored the winner. Um, and yes, Martial had completely vanished from the match, but I'm surprised that Deschamps didn't take Mbappe off. And I think a lot of people on social media seem to be because, um, partly because he was having a mare and partly just because I think it might have been a sort of shot across his bowels. Um, maybe Deschamps didn't want to run the risk of some kind of public, you know, Tuchel in that Montpellier match. Um, you know, temper tantrum from Mbappe on the touchline. I don't know, but um, he would have been well within his rights to take him off because he wasn't playing well, but more to make a point of saying, you're not the boss here. Yeah, I think, but I think we, we know how media would have reacted to that. Oh, it's a snub, but they would have made it worse. Um, but yeah, as you said, in, in the Portugal match, if you're kind of criticising a player for showboating and dicking around and it's a match in which Ronaldo is playing and you don't mean him, then that, that is a little bit worrying. Because I mean, the thing is, um, obviously, when the Portugal match, um, it was Mbappe and uh, Giroud up top, and Giroud can drop deep as well. He stays central and he doesn't try to do anything too flash, but as Jess said, first line of defence, he can end up back there as well. And he's not the quickest at getting back at, back at the front, as it were. So... Um, you did get a feeling at sometimes that the whole team had just kind of moved back, um, uh, moved back a step, and so that had knock-on effects on everyone else. Uh, so, as Jess said, you know, when it does affect, um, you know, the players around you, um, particularly if you know him and Griezmann are essentially trying to share the spare the same space because one of both of them are trying to not do their job particularly if you see what I mean and they end up overlapping it doesn't doesn't always work out but you know I think um what I was most offended by was Jez referring to this as Joe Hartitis and uh, I misunderstood the precise meaning he was describing to that yeah <laughs> but uh, but anyway so you know I think there'll be some criticism there'll be some critiquing hopefully it will not be as um doom and gloom as it normally is but we'll see um and yeah he's got a what you'd say would be a reasonably straightforward game on is it friday to recover and i'm sure he will so yeah yeah i think yeah i think he'll be fine i i, I, I just i don't think there's any you know it's funny because in the playground that's what everyone wants to be but there's no shame in just being the central striker and main goal scorer yeah you don't it's need like, to be the look, look at the record that Olive's got, right? Exactly. Go for that. Go for that. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah. you know, and actually, number 10s are not very fashionable at the moment, as, as James Rodriguez was, was talking about very well the other day. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, he doesn't... I just... <laughs> I blame Neymar. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I took some time to sort of sleep on it a bit and think about it, and I, I do I definitely get your concerns. I mean, I, I think my biggest sort of thing with, with Killian is that I suppose because I, I, I'm desperate to um, to have a, a French player as, as the best in the world in, again in, in future and lord it over all these people that tell me otherwise, of course, naturally. But um, yeah, I, I do just... You mean like Varane and Griezmann were both were in 2018, but it was given to... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Let's not forget that. But um, yeah, I, I just, like you, I, the Neymar thing is a bit of a worry. And it's and Neymar, I go back and forth all the time because sometimes I watch him and I think, Christ, you're a joy to watch. And other times I watch him and I go, I just want you to be hit by a truck, um, <laughs> but um, not in a you know in a, in a death type of way before anyone gets on it. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those. I I look at him and I think he's got so much talent, but I kind of want him to stick to what he's good at and not become this Ronaldo and maybe to a lesser extent, in my opinion, Messi, where it's just everything's through him and about him and it's him, him, him. I don't want that. And, uh, you know, like you suggest, I, I prefer him as a... It's a bad idea from a tactical point of view, apart from anything else. If you have a an international team built around a single player, then mm. A, if you can take that player out of the game... Predictable, yeah. B, it affects the, the other players. All the, you know, that stat about Swe- Sweden obviously are in some bad shape at the moment but when Ibrahimovic was Sweden the rest of them were like well we got a pass to him it, 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 um, it impacted on their game yeah. I don't think you want a single player to be the star and no. I think you see that obviously Messi everybody goes on about he's never won the World Cup at least there are other absolutely world class players in that team mm. um, but yes, you see the way that Barcelona can clench up because everything has to go through Messi. Yeah. Or you look at, say, uh, another example, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, you know, Chipmunk. Everything, you know, he's the only good one, so they all have to fire it at him. So yeah. um, that's Edin Dzeko, by the way. Sorry, I shouldn't <laughs> just shared my little pet name for him, um, possibly on, on, on uh, recording. But you know what I mean? So we... And I think he is a team player. Deep, it it can be done. Mm. But and I think if he wasn't as mature as he is, he would have been a nightmare a lot earlier. That's like true, Neymar. Yeah. Um, so it's something that just needs to be kind of controlled. And yeah. I do get Jason's point about doing the job you're given rather than the job you think you should have. Yeah. But, I wonder yeah. how much um, PSG play into that as well, because uh, I, I wonder, and at the risk well, now of now, there's two of them. Yeah, I think there's an interesting, interesting kind of AB tension going on there. Yeah, two players for whom everything has to go through us, and then Marco Verratti behind them, just going off. Oh, Christ's sake, guys! Just I feel like his um, Mbappe's next move in terms of where his future lies is going to be really important as well. And obviously we, we know he will leave Paris Saint-Germain, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. And um, well, I say, we know, I, I get I the mean, impression. That if he feels if Neymar jumps ship, then 
it's his team, isn't it? And if that is what he wants, it might create a monster. Mm. I kind of feel like if Neymar goes that'll almost pave the way for him to go even faster weirdly because I feel like he sort of has this thing with Neymar but I wonder if it, if it, we might get a situation where if he does end up at Real Madrid and you know, I know a lot of Liverpool fans are getting quite excited about his agent sort of talking up them I, I just don't see that personally but if he ends up at Real Madrid which seems likely the, the, the immediate comparisons will be made of Anelka's move was it too soon was it for too much you know can his ego handle it stuff because I don't think it you know, Real, where you've got a team of superstars, um, he I will be... I think having that, also the Real-Barcelona um, yeah. tension in La Liga is very different from the PSG are above everybody tension in in Ligue 1. Mm. So that's uh, kind of... It's, it's not on the pitch, as it were, but it does bring a different level. I mean... Marseille fans and PSG fans hate each other, but... Do they? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's a slightly different vector than Barcelona and Real Madrid fans hating each yeah. other, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I know, yeah. It's a, a weird one. And in the, in can, the I just, white... one, can I just say oh. one more thing about yeah, that sure. and sort of expand it as well? Mm. Um, Phil mentioned the showboating against Portugal. There was, I mean, France's best chance is the one just after the the, just at the start of the second half where mm. Mbappe sort of made made the chance for himself well but then it was actually quite a poor shot but straight after that he had an almost identical chance and I think I put on Twitter that he sort of river danced it away um, and then and, Ronaldo hooked one over his own head it was all that was quite an interesting five minutes of um, watching strikers make mistakes yeah um <laughs> Except that obviously Ronaldo can do no wrong according to social media. So he's. Christ. Yeah. Um, but um, then another thing that in, in that match got a lot of criticism was that Griezmann was taking too many touches, which is probably true and I think can probably be connected with his lack of confidence at the moment. And then you look at the the last night, like Griezmann's goal, one touch to control, bang, top corner. Um, the other goal, um, Pogba takes the ball, long pass, volley, finish, three touches, goal. And even during the World Cup, even with a World Cup win, there are people slagging off France and saying, you know, the amazing players they've got, they should be controlling back matches, they shouldn't be sitting back and, um, and, and letting the other team have the possession. I still think a lot of these people are idiots because I still think that's France's strongest game. Their players are so explosive, so quick, but also so skillful that I actually think France are at their best when they're doing this one-touch football on the break. Um, I read a quote yesterday from, I think, the Brazilian midfielder, midfielder Falcao about Pogba and saying what, what he loves about him is that every, he does everything one touch, but whereas other players do it in the final third, Pogba will even do it sort of in his own half. Griezmann and Giroud, I think, are both often at their best with their little flicks and, and one-touch movement. And Mbappe just, just smoke the defender and shoot. You know, forget the river dance rubbish. And I just think France would be... Just get I, I get back to how they won the World Cup. Get back Simplify to Simplify it. Get back to Mbappe on the wing and Giroud and, or, you know, Giroud... Uh, Griezmann and Mbappe both sort of orbiting Giroud um, 
I think, you know, the, the, I think France's best goal of the World Cup was actually the, the fourth goal against Argentina. And again, all sort of brilliant one-touch stuff, that lovely pass by, um, by Giroud at the end to, to, to put Mbappe through. I think that's what France do best. And um, I wish sometimes that they would... I know Deschamps does it, but I wish the players also would ignore what all the media are saying right, about them, either individually or about what the team should be doing. Because I think they're at their best playing on sort of instinct because they're all such talented athletes, talented footballers, that if they just, yeah, they played on instinct on the one-touch stuff, I think there's barely another team that can touch them. Yeah, the, the unnecessary flicks and tricks sometimes gets to me as well. Um, it, it, across all that, if it's... It's the unnecessary trying to be the same man four times. Mm. If it's a one-touch flick that goes wrong, I don't mind if, even if it goes wrong sort of two times out of three, which you probably expect it to by the law of averages. Mm. Um, if the third one, you know, again, like using Giroud and some of those goals, including FA Cup final goals for Arsenal, yeah, fans get frustrated by him doing these flicks, but when they work out, they're almost certainly going to lead to a goal. Because you can't defend that. Yeah, yeah. The unpredictability, like you say, if, if you can use your, your skill and ability to beat someone in it, and you get a result from it, that's fine. It's when you start getting players doing what I call playground skills, where it's like I'll beat you once, I'll come back and beat you again, and then I'll come back and beat you again. It's like well, yeah, at that point you're just showing off, and it very yeah. often sort of finds you out at the crucial times where it's needed. So, yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Um, I, I think, think uh, what what you just said about Griezmann again. Um, kind of critiqued for taking too many touches. I've uh, obviously got a large collection of uh, vintage, antique, old, whatever you want to say, um, French uh, football uh, newspapers. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, Raymond Copper who actually complained if I take too many touches, they say I take too many touches. If I take too few, they say I take too few. It all depends. It's all about the results. If we won, oh, it was great. If we didn't win, then I took too many touches or I took too few touches. And so this kind of idea that there is one level of thing that you can do is, you know, it's all, all should be in context. Uh, of the situation of the game there's going to be some times when yeah you do need to keep pinging it backwards and forwards and it's all going to be part of the context of that so yeah Platini's nine goals in the in Euro 84 I think he had 11 touches for those nine goals and the one against okay that is impressive (laughs) and the one against Portugal in the semi-final as the ball came to him, it looked the most natural thing in the world to just hit it first time. And that was one of the, that was one of only two where he took two touches and the touch took about three people out of the game to make sure that he scored. It's funny how we only remember certain styles or goals or moments. It's, 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 it's weird how you, like if you ask anyone to name any of the results that Greece got in winning the Euros, I don't think anyone would really remember any of the games at all, purely because it was so, you know. France won now. Yeah, we can remember that one. Um, but yeah, it is weird. How, how, but yeah, everyone can remember that famous Brazil goal, for example, um, from yesterday. But again, it's a lot of 
Uh, sometimes you remember the goals, but it was in a match that they lost mm. or something. And yeah. so I think that it's very much about whether you remember a moment or a match. Yeah, so that Senegal game will always haunt me in terms of France. And, and also the, uh, just weirdly out of nowhere, the game that they beat Saudi Arabia and that Zidane performance all those years ago. It's just weird things that stick in your head for whatever reason. It's, it's strange. I guess it depends what type of football fan you are. But, uh, well, but if, and, if, and, and what your level of nervous tension was. I mean, with the yeah. AIM 37 I'm, in 2012, I mentioned earlier, I can remember vividly all of the extra time because mm. it was nil-nil and they had to win. So four minutes are etched in my brain. Yeah. The rest of the match, I have no idea what happened because I was just sitting there going, the yeah. whole time. So, yeah. I felt the same way about Lauren Blanc's first ever golden goal against Paraguay as well. Similar emotions in that one. Um, I mean, if Speaking you... of which, happy birthday to Trezeguet. <laughs> oh, the legend that is. Um, yeah, if, if you are, obviously, if you are a fan of, of international football, excuse me, then um, stay tuned in November because we've got another three games in seven days. Hurrah. Uh, yet more tax on the legs if, if of we're not international all, footballers. Um, under lock and key. But... Yeah, if, if we're not like you know locked away underground by them uh, or such like. But uh, assuming the world is still functioning by November the 11th. Uh, remember November the 11th of November? No, it doesn't really work, does it? So France, Finland is a friendly, um, which, uh, yeah, it's not really going to get the pulses racing, one suspects. Portugal, France, Probably a little bit more so. Uh, that is three days later on the 14th, and then it's finished off on the 17th by the home game against Sweden, also Nations League games. So, uh, yeah, plenty more internationals to come in basically a month's time, isn't it? Just under. So, um, we'll have another week then where we can discuss I'm lots of it on the calendar as we speak. Yes, probably wise <laughs> with the amount of games that are going on at the moment. Um, generally, very disorganised. So. That's all right. I think we all are at this, this stage of life, so no harm there. Um, we'll uh, transition before we wrap up this show, uh, just have a look at Liga for the weekend and upcoming Champions League games. Um, first thing I want to say is uh, welcome home to uh, Sebastian Corchia. He's back in Liga. Things you love to see. Really? Bless him. What? Uh, he's, uh, when did this happen? Hello? Chris? I don't know where Tomorrow. he's going, but I think he joined Nantes. Say, say again. I know you vanished for a few seconds. Oh, did I? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I do apologise. Yes, he has gone to Nantes. Yeah, if, if you didn't hear right. anything of what I was just right. saying there. Sorry about that. Yeah. And another Grenoble. blast in the past, Ben Arthur is in the group. Indeed. Uh, Bordeaux at, uh, at OM? Or... Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, good, good to another see. Another one of my, my favourites. Good to see him back as well. Um, I also quite enjoyed uh, Alain Saint-Maximin praising Newcastle and, and saying he wants to be the next David Ginola after he signed a six-year deal with Newcastle yesterday. That kind of made me smile. He's quite a likeable character, bless yeah. him. Um, even if he is probably the most frustrating footballer you ever watch in your life, but he is kind of a fun The character. man survived Bastia. He's clearly... Yeah, and, he, and he's very liked in Newcastle, that would be fair yeah. to say. He does, does a lot locally well, as well. So given, given what they've got to deal with, um, I imagine he's an absolute godsend. Yeah, I don't know what you're trying to suggest there about that Newcastle side. Who well, wouldn't no, like John they... Joe Shelby? No, I mean, in general, <laughs> it's nice to see somebody who tries hard, seems to be enjoying himself and has a decent sense of humour. Yeah, a footballer who plays the smile on his face. Who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite, it can be a bit dour. Yes, 
yeah absolutely we've okay. um we've got a full program of fixtures uh coming up this weekend in league i should say at time, of recording, time of recording <laughs> yeah time of recording on on the 15th uh on on the thursday uh, october the 15th um we have got a full program but there are new um uh, sanctions coming into France in terms of the curfew, uh, which is what six o'clock at night. Onwards? No, nine no, till nine o'clock, nine till six, isn't it? Overnight. So that's Ile de France, which is Paris, Grenoble, Lille, Lyon, Marseille, Montpellier, Rouen, Saint Etienne, and Toulouse. So Bordeaux are cheerful, um, yeah. but that's just a general curfew. We've also had all bars closed. Uh, from Tuesday, which of course means it's a bunch of people arguing about what constitutes a bar as opposed to a cafe, as opposed to a restaurant, and some of them are rebranding themselves in town, I did notice. <coughs> Stick a fryer in the back uh, and you'll I'm, be fine, I'm not yeah. sure serving sandwiches makes you a restaurant, <laughs> but some people are trying that. Um, yeah. So yeah, there'll be a lot more uh, well, we had a situation where there were 5,000 allowed in or 1,000 allowed in, we we probably going to see a lot more games with no fans at all yeah yeah which is of course a shame but at the end of the day probably the sensible decision given that the the rate of infection is climbing once again um so yes uh, macron did indeed bring down that uh, decision yesterday nationwide with those so he's not supposed to make announcements during interviews but he no did, though everyone's pissed off about that as well of course, yeah, naturally. Man shouts at cloud. Uh, but, but assuming that does go ahead, obviously the, the sporting fixtures are still um, sort of penciled in to, to continue. So assuming they do go ahead, we've got Dijon against Rennes tomorrow night, uh, 16th of October. Uh, that's a 6pm UK kickoff. We've got two games tomorrow night. Nîmes against PSG is the second uh, fixture for your watching fun if you so choose to do so. On Saturday... Uh, I'll we've just quickly say on apparently PSG tomorrow, Marquinhos, oh, yes. Kassler, Verratti, Icardi, Kera, and Bernat injured. Di Maria and Kazawa suspended. Herrera COVID positive. Danilo possibly COVID positive, and Mbappe played ninety minutes yesterday. So what so you're saying is Neem seven nil essentially. It's a, it's a good time to. to play. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and if you looked at that fixture normally and, and went, well, that's an easy PSG Angers type of situation, easy win for PSG. Probably not. Probably not. Well, Nîmes aren't Angers at the best of times. No, so, true. Um, I I think this is always going to be slightly more of a point, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I still think PSG will probably win, mm. um, but uh, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, whatever way you look at it, that list that Chaz has just reeled off there is, is quite the list of players to miss. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. If, if you ever thought that Neem had a chance, this would probably be the one um, in, in an already nut season. So we shall see how that one pans out. Uh, Rouse against Lorient is the four o'clock game on Saturday, which of course I shall be keeping a close eye on. Um, Lorient need the points big time. Marseille face Bordeaux in the, the Ben Alpha derby. Yeah, that's on the uh, that's eight o'clock on Saturday night. So once again, that'll be catching my eye, hopefully for good reasons, because I can't deal with another terrible Marseille home performance. Uh, Strasbourg against Lyon looks quite watchable on uh, just midday on Sunday, the 18th, followed by Angers. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I, just because I'm... 
I want I want things to go well again, Leon, and I want Strasbourg. I've just finished Arsene Wenger's book, and he talks in such glowing terms about Strasbourg that it's made me fall in love with them again. And I just kind of want them to not end up in. I league think he mostly season. likes the wine and the food. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah, um, I I like I like Leon, and although I'm not supposed to, I like Strasbourg, but again, that doesn't the wine mean that the this food. match is doesn't mean this match is watchable. You feel like it'll be a, a dull, another dull affair then. I, I just feel so. like Garcia can't continue to play the way he has been doing. I mean, I suppose he can, but I don't know. I feel like it's a game both sides kind of need to win as well, which gives me some maybe false hope that it might be slightly entertaining. Maybe I'm just trying to help myself here into talking, <laughs> talking it up, maybe. I'm, I'm mostly thinking of wine and food now, so I'm hungry. And... You might need that if, if the game's as bad as Jess thinks it might be. Well, so. it is lunchtime. So... True, yeah, true. You're, you're both laughing in the side of your face when it's a 5 all draw next week and we've got loads to talk about. Um, probably won't be 5 Habib Diallo. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, five all in Angers Mets, probably less likely to happen, but uh, a fairly good chance for you to. Um... Can I just put in a special word for Mets? Yeah, of course you can. Sort of two weeks ago, were arguably in the most positive place they've been since maybe 1998. Yeah. So they sort of stayed in Ligue 1, got a really decent squad. They've got a striker who's got six goals in six games. The stadium rebuild is is going very well. New training ground, everything lovely. Since then, they they've completely okay. fucked over the club's cult hero, <laughs> sent him to a local and relegation rival against his will. Have got rid of their manager in order to bring in their previous manager. That bit is a little bit more understandable, but still, it's stunning how they've managed to... I, um, they didn't have any COVID cases, but now I think two players have contracted COVID on international duty. Um, basically, it's yeah, you could you could do an all-or-nothing documentary just on the last two weeks at Mess. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like a, a lot has gone on, and that and the point you made there about the the positive cases. So I do wonder how many clubs. I mean, imagine being the the medical um, uh, medical or the well the doctor, I guess you would call, but or the, you know the people in, in high ranking medical positions at clubs waiting for all these players to rock up this morning from flights <laughs> elsewhere, and uh, just oh, thinking, Christ. where do we even begin? You know. Um, so yeah, I, I do wonder how many of these teams are actually going to have their first choice 11s out come Saturday, Sunday, or or even tomorrow. But I guess we'll see. Um, Monaco Montpellier is also a two o'clock game on Sunday. That's um, kind of clutch. The level. Yeah. Yeah. Monaco need to get back on to winning ways, and Montpellier, and Montpellier do too. So yeah. Bit, bit of an all or nothing again there, hopefully. We will see. Indeed. Uh, Nantes will face Brest uh, on another two o'clock game on Sunday also. St Etienne against Nice. Uh, Puel's men definitely need to get back on the winning trail. And obviously Nice, we just never know what we're going to get with them at the moment. And okay. uh, thoughts, thoughts with Yvonne Masson, by the way. Say again, sorry? Uh, St Etienne's left back, who started the season really well. Mm. Made his his France under twenty one debut and did his knee ligaments in his outfit. Yeah, that's that's never ideal, is it? Um, that that reminded me of the lad who did the same for um, 
Columbia Arias who just signed for Leverkusen it's so unfortunate when players sign sort of big deals or make debuts and then get horrific injuries I guess it's all part of the process they say come back stronger but yeah thoughts with him that's for sure um along that on Sunday this to me this one like really does stand out because I can't remember the last time that I would have talked about Lance being the televised game on a Sunday night but they are as they face Lille second and third so yeah you've got fifth place sixth seventh place eighth and second place third all on Sunday fun times and, and I like the look of this I'm game on you know, over. yeah I, I can't see Lance particularly parking the bus at, at Lille I think they'll have a, a bit of a go uh, depending on again on how many of their <laughs> squad are available not how they have worked so far hmm yeah, I, I, it's one of those that I just sort of look at and think, A, it's nice to see a club other than Marseille being the Sunday night game and all PSG. And, and two, yeah, just, just sort of intrigued to see, because this is, this is a big test for Lons and they've had a great start to the season, but you do wonder sort of how long that will go on if they, if they do take a few, uh, a few defeats. But yeah, I, th- I think that's one that will be worth, so, worth keeping uh, an eye on. Did I say Lille was in the um, uh, list of cities... Um, I th- I don't remember you mentioning it, but I'm guessing I they are. I think I might have done. Mm. So they are another well, one in, in the Obviously, it's quite a um, fierce sitch as well. Yeah. So basically, by the end of next week, probably most places will be. I think that's I think that's what yeah. we're, we're no, kind of Lilo, anticipating. Lilo on the list, so there will be the curfew will be in place, and I imagine there will be no fans there. Yeah which is not ideal, obviously. Um, and speaking Strasbourg of no... Isn't, Strasbourg isn't. No. That is quite surprising, given the amount of cases that they seem to well, get. Well, they are near summer. Germany. Maybe they've caught organisation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catch all I like that. Yes. Um, we've got midweek games as well in terms of European action. Again, at time of recording, these are scheduled to go ahead. Uh, we're going to be saying I, that a I lot this season, I feel. drop in that we can just edit into this. Just slide it into everything we say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if it does go ahead and if things are uh, as planned, we've got the Champions League uh, debut for, for Rennes who faced Krasnodar at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Um, the same night and at the same time, PSG host Manchester United, um, which will be interesting. And Cavani's the... debut. Yes, yeah, of course. We haven't mentioned that. Eddie, Eddie finding at home at Manchester United, which sort of makes me feel a bit sick, to be honest. But, you know, never mind. And uh, Olympiacos face Marseille. Um, which certainly doesn't get my palate wet, to be honest with you. But oh, no. That could be quite chaotic. I mean, there is that, yeah, there is that. It does have the sort of reek of a booking Red Card Fest game. I don't know why, it just uh, it sort of just does to me. That's yeah. on the Wednesday game, that's the 21st. Payet going through Valbuena in the first couple of minutes. Of course, yeah, Valbuena. Be, I think be... uh, well, Payet might actually be... I think he's banned for the weekend's game. But I think yeah. on Ren and their debut, obviously this is the home game against Krasnodar. They really have to win this because mm. Chelsea and Sevilla are playing in the other game and you've got to think that they're the, the favourites. So if Ren want to cause an upset here, they really have to go into this hard and, uh, and, and take three points so whether they're going to manage that yeah. you know they're top of the league at the moment they're riding high they're scoring a lot of goals 
and that is all going to be very, very useful. So I will be watching the Wren match. I'm not here to deny you, probably. Are they at the same time? I'm going okay. to try and do both, yeah. Uh, uh, Multi-screen in full Because I really want I want to. I want to watch PSG just so that the, the, the that guy who got Twitter famous for saying that uh, Rashford was as good as Martial uh, was as good as Mbappe. I'm just going to quite look forward to watch Gary Lineker. Oh, is it Gary? Did Gary Lineker say it as well? I just he I remember the first one. He said Rashford is better than Mbappe. I never knew he was the first one to say it. I just found that. Well, I mean, if he's talking him. about you know involvement in socio-economic, political situations and getting children say yes <laughs> um to be fair Mbappe does no. a lot of work for charity as well he <laughs> yeah, does yeah, but yeah. not quite to the same extent that um our next president uh Marcus Rashford does no I I, I must admit I didn't know it was, I, I knew Gary Lineker had a, a few interesting views on on that sort of thing but I didn't know he was the first to come out with it and say I just remember following a Manchester United fan account and seeing it um but you know can you say about fan accounts um on uh, in terms of europa league we have got representation there on the in the form of nice and lille uh, on the thursday nice go away to leverkusen which is one of these weird 555 kickoffs uk time strange kickoff time that one uh, lille are away in sparta prague or praha if you prefer the um, the correct uh, enunciation, if you will. So those games are on the Thursday. I think the Lille game is a later one. Yes, it is. It's an eight o'clock yeah. game. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, two to keep across. Unfortunately, obviously, Rams didn't make it this far. So uh, that's the representation. Well, poss- for possibly a good thing. Yeah, it's... in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Jesus, they've got two points, and they look largely terrible. Yeah, and I feel like um, both Nice and Lille need to be. I think they need to take this this competition seriously because again, it feels like a competition that could be fairly open, um, given the way the draws have gone. Um, but uh, I guess we will see after their first weekends uh, or weeks week one games. Um, any? Um, Go on, Jess. I I hope this isn't real, but it looks like a genuine account. Mess have just tweeted that Nian Nian six goals in six games just sent our other striker against his will to one of our biggest rivals because Nian started the season so well, has done his knee ligaments. Oh, oh dear. Um, that, that, that's, yeah, that, that would kind of put a nice pin in, uh, in a, not fun, that's the wrong word I'm going to go for here, tumultuous week, maybe? Um, so that's... I, th- I think we need to make Jez a hot chocolate and give him a blanket. Yeah, yeah. Maybe don't watch football for a week, Jazz. We'll just fill you in and, um, you know, we'll work around it next week. Maybe that's the I've always forward. been totally against this joker rule that French football seems to have, but suddenly it's a lot more attractive. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be, <laughs> yeah, all, you know, all, all jokes sure aside, that would be horrendous, wouldn't it? For I'm not right? sure you can do that for strikers, though, isn't it? It's for goalkeepers. Yeah, or just no, take a goal. Oh, you can do it for anywhere. Just stick a goalkeeper. You do it for any player, actually. You don't. Have to, there's two things. There's a medical joker, and then there's just a joker, which is why Niang nearly joined Santetia. It'd be fair to say, without him, the goals are going to be hard to come by. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, but hope that that's not not actually. Well, I guess it is confirmed based upon what you're reading, but hopefully, it's not as bad as first feared. But if it is, then not ideal. Are there any of those games that you guys particularly are keeping an eye on in terms of the weekend or next week? I don't care anymore. 
<laughs> I, I will be, I'll, I'll be watching the ones which are the, the, the close the close ones. So basically my Sunday is going to be spent on the sofa watching uh, Monaco, Monaco, Montpellier, Saint-Étienne, and Nice, and then Lille Lance taking me all the way through the afternoon. I endeavour to go out in the morning. Yeah. Ten, and after ten... that, we'll just be eating crisps on the sofa. Tends to be the same for me. Um, French football is getting in the way of my running schedule. Uh, weekends it goes off a cliff, so I need to be, I need to get up earlier so I can get that out of the way. And then, as you like you, I just plonk myself on the sofa. Good times. Uh, before well, we go, it sounds like Nîmes PSG could actually be worth yeah, a watch if it might actually be a contest. But we'll wait and see how that works. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to watch that. I ha- I've, this year, this season, I seem to have watched more games, that, you know, in, in a weekend than ever before. But I guess that's more because there's just nothing else to do. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, if if, if, if um, I'm not allowed out after nine o'clock at night, then yeah, even fairly obviously I will be watching all of them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We will um, we will finish just with uh, this question because um, I'll be honest, I completely forgot until now. And we did ask for questions. We did get one from uh, the um, boys from Banilou, which was uh, which player impressed you most over the three games in terms of France. Uh, he or she mentioned uh, who's done their reputation no harm Kimpembe especially against Portugal Rabiot for a half or two of the Nations League games and Anzonzi last night we kind of did kind of cover the question within that but um, is there anything that either of you would add to that in terms of impressing yeah Hernandez yeah yeah I think that's fair yeah. to say Kimpembe any, any from you Jazz or just the ones that you've mentioned previously yeah all of the above and I would just say that Loris and Varane just continue to be gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must admit, I've, I've come full circle on Loris. I'm, I'm trying my best to, to put the Tottenham thing behind me. It's just, it's difficult, you know, tribalism and all that. Uh, but yes, I would agree. And um, thank you for the question. If you have got a question that you want to ask us, or a point you want to make, or you know, anything really, just if you just fancy a, saying a, hello, feel a free. Picture, a picture of a cuddly kitten to cheer Jez up. That's also fine. Yeah, yeah. Anything non-Mets related probably would be good to send Jez. Um, but you can do so at French FT Weekly. Uh, just look us up on the Twitters and uh, yeah, send us uh, send us some some nice things, and we'll try and get you read out next week. Um, but it is until next week that we will leave things for this week, and uh, we will hope that things happen in a good way in France this weekend. We'll be saying prayers for Jez and lighting some candles as well. But uh, we will aim to be back next week. Not sure when, as of usual. It just depends on the schedules of all of us and. Uh, and we'll try and get some of the Champions League looked into as well. But we will be back at some point next week. Um, but yes, until then, my thanks to both of you. Thank you, Jez. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, until then, wherever you are in the world, please do stay safe, adhere to your guidelines, and uh, enjoy your French football. Until next week, I'll speak to you then.